Thank you, paper boy. <laughs> paper, yeah. It's our time. One love. It's your boy, Paperboy Prince. Paperboy Love Prince. <laughs> paper, yeah. Welcome. Thank you, Paperboy. We're about to do a, a live episode right now, the Paperboy Prince podcast. I'm happy to talk about this stuff because this is the real stuff that I actually want to talk about. The stuff that's like, you know, you see going on and it's what's happening right now. And, um, you know, so many, there's so many voices speaking and a lot of it is repeating the same stuff. So we're going to talk about misinformation this episode. We're going to talk about, uh, yes, Joe Rogan, uh, this episode. And we're going to talk about, uh, vaccines, anti-vax and COVID and the tech companies and the government and all these things is kind of what we're going to get into. And I'm super excited about that. Um, and, you know, this is going to be a brief touch on it, but I do want to get into it. So, have <laughs> paper, yeah. And as always, you can get the podcast everywhere you get uh, podcasts on Spotify, Apple Music, and all that. The Paperboy Prince podcast. We're going live right now. Have <laughs> paper, yeah. Are y'all ready? All right. So, we also have a big show happening February 4th. Um, here in Brooklyn, we got some new merch out on paperboyprints.com or paperboyprints.shop. Um, and we also have, um, make sure you, you can donate to the Love Gallery as well. I'm trying to join the live for my other gram. Not working. Okay. So let's get right into it. Also, you can help our campaign as well. <laughs> Paper, yeah. If you want to help the campaign, let me know. Reach out to me. Um, so let's just jump right in. Misinformation. That word, in my opinion, uh, and I'm going to get to a lot of the comments in the chat soon. Uh, one love. The word misinformation, in my opinion, has been severely overused at this time. It is something that should have been used a lot, but now it's being overused because they want to, they have an agenda. We'll get into who they is soon. When I was in college, one of the classes that I was naturally best at, where my teacher was like, yo, you really got like a lot of talents in this. Uh, like you have to do something with this was media literacy. <laughs> I never forget. He pulled me to the side and we would do this thing in class where basically we would watch um, we would watch commercials and in the first five seconds we would try to say what this commercial would advertising and who it was for. And it would be in a lot of commercials where they didn't have the, app, the branding right up front. Anyway, what's my point? We need to be able to see through what we're watching. Right now, we're spending more time on our phones, on social media, watching screens, the black mirror. We're spending more time looking at screens than ever before, especially since the pandemic. Yes, this class, and I brought up the media literacy class to talk about why we need more information on how to actually process all of the things that we're saying, that we're seeing. When I was in college, I did not 
watch commercials. And for a long time after college, I didn't watch commercials. I still don't. I have ad blockers on all of my stuff. I don't watch commercials because the advertising done in commercials is so strong. The people that do the marketing, and I've been in commercials. Shout out to y'all. Know, I, shout out to all the commercial checks. I appreciate that. Still trying to do them. I've been in commercials. But the people that craft these things are so good at psychology, at, are so good at understanding the human brain and uh, our pleasure receptors in all of these things. Pe- they're really, really good at that. <clears throat> uh, let, me, let me get a sip of water. So we have to be super vigilant in what we even allow ourselves to watch because as smart as you think you are, you're not smarter than a multi-billion dollar advertising campaign run by a Fortune 500 company. You're not smarter than that. Your brain is your brain is vulnerable, especially when they get you at times where you're least expecting it. They get you the the whole point of advertising is to get you at a time where you're already in an elated state. You're watching TV, you're enjoying your show. At the funniest part, at the cliffhanger, boom, you get an ad for a Toyota. Uh, you're playing your favorite video game, and right before it starts, boom, they give you a pop-up ad to buy uh, some extra add-on to the video game. You're going on a website uh, about being a mom, and boom, there's a pop-up on that site about certain baby stuff. They, they, it, they're good at it. There's just so much marketing dollars put into this. So we don't a lot of times have the ability to actually be able to decipher this stuff. The average person definitely doesn't. It's just playing on our subconscious too. Like the 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 subconscious, even, and I see someone commenting like, I love comment, uh, criticizing commercials. I can't be brainwashed. And trust me, I love to think the same way. But even taking the time to criticize the commercial is playing into their hand and it's playing that branding further into our psyche. It's just a different level of this stuff. Um, You know, so misinformation. Today we're going to talk about misinformation. And the whole name of the game is getting you to believe stuff. One of the craziest things about misinformation and like, and because we're going to talk about vaccine and COVID and all of that, is um, one of the craziest things about it is how Basically, you're allowed to. <laughs> I completely lost where I was going with that. I, it's going to come back to me. Um, okay, so basically, they've taken this word to extremes. They've taken misinformation to extremes. And oh, this is what I was going to say. The you ever watch these commercials, right? Where it's like for Tide, or for it's like for a tampon company, or for it's like for a a, a paper towel company, and they'll, they'll show you like Bounty uh, carries this much paper towel, and then like the the normal brand carries this much, and they'll have some like blue liquid, and they'll show you how much, and it won't be some type of scientific thing. It looks science at the time they're doing it. It looks like a scientist did it. Even when you get the the toothpaste, they'll be like, uh, dentist recommended. You don't know what dentist, you don't know when. This stuff is all playing on your your mind. Another thing, we're talking about misinformation. 
when you go to the grocery store, right, and you buy something, look at when next time you go to the grocery store, you buy something, everything says like health farms on it and it says Nature Valley and it says Poland Springs and it's like these, in reality, it's like a factory, but they branded this like beautiful like farm, like a tree. We don't know, right? It's branding playing on your mind the whole time and we love it. We want something that says natural farm on it or buying the food. Okay. So let me get into it. So when it hops on to where we are now on Instagram, like I couldn't even uh, make this video that I'm talking about and post it regular on Instagram or on YouTube. I couldn't because they shadow ban content. They completely shadow ban content in a way that you know, discourages conversation, that discourages free speech because their whole game is selling ads. And listen, <clears throat> this isn't about knocking this particular podcast and talk isn't about knocking the tech companies for trying to make money. It's it's really like breaking down the whole system of what's going on here. They want to sell ads and advertisers don't want their stuff next to a bunch of anti-vaxxer, I say in quotation mark, content. So, like, they purposefully deprioritize it. Then on top of that, they get called out by a, a lot, and sometimes rightfully so, they get called out by a lot of people for spreading misinformation so they tell, so they put these disclaimers on. Now, do y'all know about the COVID disclaimer? Because I, I don't want to start doing the thing where I talk about something before y'all know what I'm talking about. But the COVID disclaimer is basically, um, you know, if you're on Instagram or on Facebook and say somebody makes a post about COVID, even if they might say, I love COVID, or, uh, or they say, I love the vaccine. Or if they say something like, um, you know, the vaccine is fake or whatever, there'll be a little bar that pops up the bottom that says COVID, uh, COVID-19 disclaimer to find out more facts about COVID, uh, click here to get official facts from the CDC. That's the COVID disclaimer. So now anytime you talk about COVID, this disclaimer comes up and it honestly deprioritizes your post. Like, if a post has that, it's probably just they're not going to push it as much. Um, and it's even funnier now because they linked to the CDC, and the CDC became a meme after the whole, they released the whole five-day quarantining period. So they're linking to the CDC. The CDC is a meme, and it's fake. That, that is pe that, That's like is a narrative that was pushed just in the last four weeks. Um, so misinformation is coming from every direction. The point that I'm trying to say is the people that these sites are pointing to as having the correct information, now the general public is saying, wait, we don't trust your information now. Where the CDC before was seen as the most credible source for everything. Now it still is. It has a lot of credibility uh, in that realm, of course, but, you know, I saw a lot of jokes. I saw a lot of memes. I saw a lot of people calling it out. Business owners, politicians, a lot of people 
not liking that and feeling like the CDC's uh, new quarantining measures were focused more on getting people back to work than actual public safety. <laughs> I pay for yeah. I hope y'all will follow me and what I'm saying uh, while we're going down this. So this is all stuff that you all know and that you all understand. Um, because you're smart. If you're listening to the Paperboy Prince podcast, run our live here on IG, you're smart. So you already are like seeing through a lot of this stuff and you get it. But the biggest issue I have with the COVID disclaimer is that it's ruining uh, free speech and that is stopping people from feeling comfortable to talk about stuff. They want it and they don't just do this with COVID. Like COVID is just an example. It is our warning call. They don't just do this with COVID. They do this with something like Black Lives Matter. Um, and I don't mean the organization necessarily. I mean the general movement and the uh, uh, police reform movement, right? Um, they did the same thing with that, where if you're talking about stuff like that on TikTok, they're deprioritizing content. If you're talking about stuff like that on Google, they they it, certain things show up lo- lower in Google search, right? Um these are like real things that are happening and, and I'm running a new campaign for Congress. So if you all want to help out my campaign for Congress, we can usually help that. And this is why I'm not supported by the major mainstream. This is why our campaigns are so incredible because we're not supported by the major mainstream players. We're supported by everyday folks that help us out because we speak this real. Because we speak this real uh, talk, they don't want it to get out. And... That's the, a similar thing that's happening, uh, you know, in mainstream tech and on these, these apps. So we have to have a way to be able to, oh, the point I was bringing that up was to say, in my new campaign, one of the things that I'm pushing hard is a digital bill of rights, a digital bill of rights. And you guys are going to hear me talk about this a bunch I hope to be the poster person for this, but almost more important than our current Bill of Rights, which you already see how they're encroaching on our free speech, is how they're going to use the digital world to encroach on so much of our uh, free speech as well and, and, and our other rights and rights that are newly formed rights that we should have. So creating a digital Bill of Rights that includes in it the opportunity to... Um, be able to decipher through information. There's so much thing. That's a whole other podcast that we're going to talk about, the Digital Bill of Rights. But um, being able to have that free speech online is so important, and especially around these hot-button issues. These are the ones that we need free speech for. This is the whole reason to have free speech. It's about the, it's about the issues that are the harder issues to talk about. It's not for the fluffy stuff. And y'all know I love to make the content that's like, love yourself. Have a great day. We're just having some fun. I love doing that stuff. I love the fun, heartwarming stuff. But the hard-hitting stuff, the activism stuff, the climate-conscious stuff, the uh, environmental-conscious stuff, the social justice-conscious stuff, the the, the stuff that is... um, the stuff that is a, uh, you know, that's actually shaping society that matters, that's what we want control over. We want control over our speech. And we have to speak up about it. And COVID, 
they took a ton of rights away. They took a ton of rights away. Uh, and when I say they, I want to be clear about the they at this point. I mean the United States government, the major corporations across the brand that advertise with their dollars, and the major tech companies. And then I'll also say us. We gave away a lot of our rights. Um, to answer that question, the, the, the Bill of Rights, the, the Digital Bill of Rights will be something similar to our current Bill of Rights, but it'll be rights that are uh, rules that are imposed on any uh, tech organizations operating within the United States. So, but to, to get back on it, free speech. So, um, oh, and so about the COVID disclaimer. I'll pay for it. Yeah, so the COVID disclaimer. The interesting thing to me about the COVID disclaimer, and, and I have been calling for things like this on Twitter. When I was on Twitter back in like, I'm talking about like maybe 2011, 2012, I was saying they need to be, if there's ways that they can like have like a sarcasm font and ways that folks can... You know what I mean? Like, play into things. Um, but my interesting thing about the COVID disclaimer was... Let me check our timer here. Interesting th thing about the COVID disclaimer to me was this. They didn't do that for guns in the community. There's not a disclaimer. You know, the, people post uh, all types of negative things online there's not disclaimers about that uh the music that is like plaguing our community that's negative there's not disclaimers that are about that there's the explicit content marker but there's not disclaimers and there's not this deprioritization of that they push that um the the bad food yeah there's disclaimers and there's the food facts on the back of the food but they're not deprioritizing this bad food they're actually pushing it and telling us to get it and giving us this bad food. Um, the things that are negative for our mental health, the TV shows, the movies that have the shootings in them, the video games. And listen, I'm, I like this stuff. I eat fast food. I watch, you know, movies with shooting in it. I listen to music that has uh, wild messaging in it. But they push this stuff, though. They don't deprioritize it like they do when we're speaking out about the the wild things that are happening um during the pandemic so i i i really want folks to to dive in and think about this um you know as we talk about misinformation and like how are they prioritizing one thing and deprioritizing other thing now the next point i wanted to make <laughs> paper yeah Something that was really interesting to me, and we're getting to uh, Joe Rogan and, and all of these things, because the thing is, Joe Rogan is an example of the larger conversation that's going on around uh, the larger conversation that's going on around mandates, uh, mandates in general, whether it's vaccine mandates, the mask mandates, the stay at home mandates. Uh, because these things are happening worldwide. So it's super interesting. And the reason that someone like Joe Rogan is is successful 
uh, around these type of topics. And when I say successful, I mean um, is getting a lot of ears is because the mainstream media, the CNNs, MSNBCs, NBCs are pushing <clears throat> are pushing the same narrative over and over again. They're pushing that. They're pushing that, uh, you know, they're pushing the mainstream narrative, like get vaccinated, do whatever the government says. They're pushing that. They're not really pushing back much on that. And if they are, they're doing it in a like a wink, wink type of way. So the, the, a lot of people who feel like eh, something fishy is going on, which for me, uh, a lot of people are who feel like something fishy is going on. <laughs> They're tuning into people like Joe Rogan and and all of these other folks because they just want to hear different perspectives, and that's the thing about free speech. People want to hear different perspectives, if only not because they're tired of hearing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> I'll for yeah. People are, are tired of hearing the same thing over and over again, so. These people get platformed. Now, there's something called the... Have you all heard of the disinformation dozen? The disinformation dozen. I had never heard about this before um, until I saw... I, until I saw a Riza Islam is interview, which Riza Islam is like this... Um, He's like a like Nation of Islam uh, <clears throat> black activist, I'd say. The disinformation dozen is crazy. This thing is crazy. First off, you can barely trust any of the mainstream outlets that are reporting on it. And there are a few when I looked it up. <clears throat> but it's a very interesting conversation. So I want to get into this. The disinformation dozen were 12 people that the United States government said that 65% of misinformation online about vaccine info and COVID um, was coming from them. 12 people. It was super interesting to me. I didn't know anything about this until Riza Islam had an interview and I just so happened to click on it and watch it and see it to this part. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Um, that that one, how did they quantify that 65% of misinformation were coming from these specific people? And basically the idea was that if they can get all of these 12 people off of the major platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and stop sharing their content, YouTube, that, that the misinformation would go away. Um, I saw an article on NPR, which I have here. And yeah, the government basically called them up. So it called up, it had a hearing. I want to say it was a Senate hearing where they had uh, leaders from Facebook, Google, Instagram, Twitter, uh, these big sites. And they sat them down and they told them about these 12 people. The 12 people are Joseph Mercola, an osteopathic physician. Most of the people on this thing were doctors, by the way. The most of the people on the disinformation 12 were doctors that had actual doctorates 
in their field and had were published or folks that were healthcare professionals and had uh, alternative views on um, some of the COVID stuff. You know, I don't know much of these people's stuff. The only person I was immediately familiar with was Rizzo Islam. But upon looking up some of these people, they ha- they're like, built followings on other things than just being some, like, idiot or something. Like, it's not like they're an idiot. That, And I feel like that's why they want to shut these people up. Um, I'm so passionate about protecting voices I disagree with. Because you can tell a lot about how somebody treats people by how they treat people that they disagree with. And we talked about this on the last podcast. It's like, yo... Look, you measure the the greatness of a person not by how they treat people that love them, but by how they treat people that hate them. That's how you measure the greatness of a person. And, you know, it's the same thing when it comes to free speech. Listen, they still let the KKK do rallies in the street. They still let the KKK do rallies. They still let the Nazis do rallies. I think it's important to allow that free speech. Do I like it? Is it my favorite thing? Do I agree with it? (laughs) I'll pay for it. No. No, I don't. (laughs) I don't agree with it, but I feel like we still need this free speech um, because it allows for the conversation to happen in the marketplace for ideas. It allows for that. So for me, I, I, I'm about that. And, you know, listen, I, I, when some things are offensive, now if somebody's trying to be particularly offensive, that is not okay. I think somebody's, you know, trying to offend somebody purposefully is not okay. But to a certain extent, people have the right to be offensive as well. Um, so, yeah. The main thing that I wanted to bring up about the disinformation dozen was that they want to use anti-vaxxers and they want to use these people who speak out about the pandemic and uh, different COVID policies and things like that. They want to use them as the scapegoats. They want to use these people as the scapegoats for the lack of trust between the government, the health community, and the public. The real issue is that the general public doesn't trust uh, the healthcare community and doesn't trust the government. That's the real issue. The general public, we don't trust the government when it comes to healthcare, and we don't trust the healthcare community. One, the government, especially when you talk about a lot of marginalized communities, uh, the government has experimented on people the government has not prioritized people's health care. The government has allowed us to have unsafe working and living conditions. The health community has overcharges for health care, tons of malpractice lawsuits. Uh, lots of lies. So people just don't trust it. People don't trust them. The issue isn't 
anti-vaxxers speaking out. It's the fact that this whole time before leading up to this pandemic, we actually ha- ha- haven't had a good relationship of between public health and just the average person. And that's what's needed. Like there's no there's no consistent check-in in public health. It's like, oh, now all of a sudden it's COVID, you care about health. It's too late. And that's why it's so important to build that relationship consistently and, and in a loving way. So, and, and that's why I talked about love centers. In my platforms, I talked about love centers, place where we can tap in with people about health and about healthcare and have real talk conversations where people can have folks that they trust healthcare professionals that they trust, that look like them, that feel like them, that understand where they're coming from. Because if you just want to talk to somebody about get the vaccine, get the vaccine, get the vaccine, and not understand where the vaccine hesitancy comes from, and not understand, yo, I have this because of what the doctor did to my mom, my uh, black mom in the hospital, what the doctor did to, uh, you know, black people before the... racist things that were said to me by a school nurse, the, um, the you know, medical books that had uh, homophobic language and transphobic language in them, whatever it is, folks have different reasons <clears throat> that they aren't rocking with it. And we need to actually build this community and trust. <clears throat> So that's where the focus is for me and where we can actually change things. With the love centers and all of that, we can spread love. We can actually bring people together in love. Like, this is an actual opportunity. And it's being, instead of, instead of doing what I'm saying and building community and actually understanding where people are coming from and being like, listen, you're right. We have messed up in the past. Listen. You're right. This is being put together quickly. Listen, you're right. You're right to ask questions. Thank you for asking questions and caring. Instead of doing it like that and building this and and doing that, they're taking the iron fist approach. They're taking the iron fist approach, which is the do what I say because I said so. What? That don't even make no sense. That... That don't even make no sense. We live in a world with too much at our fingertips. They've tried that and that felt like that worked for two, you know, that's worked for a while. That worked where there were three, when there was three TV stations and when there was, uh, you know, a couple of radio stations. Now that doesn't work. Now they actually need to work with us. So we're talking about misinformation and the question <clears throat> when I talk about like people being honest about the past is like, yo, why didn't the government do this for the information that they spread about the wars, the information that they spread about uh, people of color overseas, the information they spread about people in prisons and what they do to put people in prison and about why people are in prison? What, what about the misinformation that they spread about police? They're not taking the iron fist approach with that. But with this, they're taking that approach and having the superiority approach. 
We got to find ways to work together. We got to find ways to work together because this isn't it. This isn't it. <laughs> Paper, yeah. So, um, so Joe Rogan brought, apparently there's, you know, this issue with Joe Rogan and he's on Spotify and he brought multiple uh, doctors on his show. These people were doctors. Uh, the episodes apparently in question are ones where he brought doctors on his show and, you know, people are calling him out for misinformation and all of that uh, around COVID. Um, and, you know, these doctors, apparently one of them is the most published doctor in his particular field or one, one of the most published doctors. And the other one has uh, several patents for vaccines, um, the mRNA vaccines. I'm not exactly sure about all of that. Um, and this whole Joe Rogan controversy. I'm not sure about the whole controversy, but basically the idea is because of this, uh, a few artists want to pull their music uh, from Spotify. Now, a couple quick things off of this. First off, the fact that they the artists want choose this as the thing, this is the thing that you want to pull your music off of Spotify for is a very like okay boomer moment to me because Spotify in a lot of ways and listen we're on Spotify so you can check out this podcast on Spotify you can check out my music on Spotify Paperboy Prince of the Suburbs and this podcast the Paperboy Prince podcast so we're on there so and it's a lot of good on the platform a lot of dope things but there's a lot to be critiqued about it as well and I hope that they would listen to the critiques honestly. Um, one, they take advantage of artists majorly. You might be going to Spotify just to listen to the Paperboy Prince podcast. You might be one of those people that you have Spotify only to listen to the Paperboy Prince podcast. You might play a Michael Jackson song one day for something else, but the main thing that you listen use it for is that. But the money that I would get from that is so little because it goes to basically whatever labels in Spotify and the creators get such a small amount of it, even though you might come just for one creator or two creators, but they get a small piece of your money because of that stream. Uh, so it's very interesting. Very, very interesting. There's that. Another issue I have with Spotify since, since we're on it. Another issue I have with Spotify, they do a lot of performative stuff, and this is a lot of these corporations and these artists, and I, I try not to be that person. Um, that's what cancel culture is. It's just like performance, just bad performance. Um, you know, performance activism, but they did a thing, Spotify did a thing where it was like a couple years ago. I want to say it was like 2018, when they banned XXXTentacion and R. Kelly's music from Spotify. They banned their music from Spotify playlists because, you know, XXXTentacion, he was super popping at that moment. He was like super, super hot. Um, he was super hot. And they banned his music 
from their playlist, which Spotify playlist is like how people mainly get their stuff played. It's how you get a lot of streams. And they banned R. Kelly's stuff from playlists because, well, R. Kelly, you already know what R. Kelly was, why they, you know, the stuff about R. Kelly. And then uh, there were similar accusations around XXSTentacion. I believe he was, there was a trial for him, but uh, the charges eventually were dropped. Now, granted, this isn't about defending them or thinking that anything they did was right. The point of this is pointing out the hypocrisy. Spotify banned these two black men, these two black men's music from their playlists. Meanwhile, there are so many convicted, convicted, convicted and accused, but convicted uh, R-word folks, murderers, uh, all types of people who have made mistakes and who have uh, either done their time or haven't done their time or been accused of the, of the similar things as these people. It just might not have been as popular because these folks aren't as popular or they're not as popular at the time. But how many rock stars are on Spotify that have crazy accusations of crazy things to their wives and all these things? Their music wasn't removed from playlists. It wasn't a big uh, press release that they did for these folks, but they hung these two black men out on the cross as a performative measure to say, look, this is our stance on this. Instead of doing it across the board, hey, anybody that's ever been, uh, if you ever have gone to trial for a thing, that your, your music will be banned from playlists. If you've ever gone to trial for guns, your music will be banned from all Spotify playlists. Imagine if they did that in hip hop. These people killed, like, they they had the audacity to ban someone's music because of their, of the accusations they had, yet they let people, their playlists push music about people that kill people, about people that talk about uh, all types of things, degrading women and all this stuff. And, I, and listen, I listen to this music, so I'm not trying to be holier than thou right now, I'm not. I listen to this music sometimes, but we have to be honest about the disconnect and the cognitive dissonance that's going on. We got to Like at a certain point, we just got to be like honest about it. It's like, wait, so y'all are going to ban them, but y'all not going to ban all the people that like, like at that point, it's like, wait, so you just base if you're going to start banning artists that have uh, like criminal charges you're gonna have to ban half your app <laughs> like wh what are they talking about like like so that to me was a big point of hypocrisy from spotify so to the artists that said they were taking their music off i want to say it was Joni mitchell and uh i forget neil i forget the other name uh <laughs> they got to do the math exactly uh, the, the artists that say they were taken off, I'm like, okay, now you want to take your music off of Spotify? Like, y'all are late. Y'all are late, and it's y'all are being performative as well, but it's interesting that this is happening around COVID. Now, when it comes to Joe Rogan and bringing money in, I'm sure he brings way more money in to Spotify than a lot of these artists. As far as the market share that he gives them in the podcast game, it's incredible. Uh, and that's going to be a huge moneymaker moving forward. So they want to place their money on Joe Rogan. Um, he has a massive listener base. His 
him doing an hour, 30 minute podcast is like a album that one of these artists drop and just as many people are streaming his podcast, which is like an album as they are an album. Right. So it's 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 making them the more money. And he's doing those like every other day. Um, so, you know, as far as the money thing, they stood behind Rogan, obviously. So as as far as the money thing. Uh, now, as far as the free speech, listen, I think the main... I'm not a, the biggest fan of Joe Rogan. I'm not. I'm a fan of his hustle. As far as his, um, his views and his... You know, what he kind of stands for, some of the people he brings on, subject matter, just like his type of vibe, like the like woods hunting type of dude type of vibe. That's not really my type of vibe. <laughs> that's not my vibe. That is not for me. Eh, that's not the vibe for me. Um, but, you know. I liked some of his interviews. I liked this Dave Chappelle interview. I liked uh, I liked some of his interviews. I think I liked the Dave Chappelle one. I think Kanye was... Did Kanye go in there yet? Maybe I'm making that up. Um, I, I liked some of the presidential... I think one thing I'll give him, he had some of the best presidential interviews of the presidential candidates of the, uh, in 2020. Um, when he interviewed the presidential candidates, he had some of the best interviews. I will give him that because he asked them real questions and he, he came from kind of like just like a regular person type of vibe, which I liked that. Uh, that's the, a good thing I'll say about him. Um, I thought that that was a great form, uh, forum for that. The bad part about him to me is his fan base. And I think his fan base, uh, his fan base is people who are kind of, what scares people about his fan base are that they feel like they're the worst type of Trump supporter. And I feel like it's not, I, f I feel like that's not his fan base, um, but I feel like that is a portion of it. I feel like that's a strong portion of his his fan base that that worries people and you know people know he has a lot of the thing that's happening right is that there's a shift what's happening is is that Joe Rogan wouldn't be a problem we wouldn't even have this conversation that it wouldn't be a problem if he hadn't built such a audience and he built this I want to call it, I like to call it like this Reddit internet audience. This Reddit, like, and when I say Reddit, I mean like kind of like what people call like an incel. And I really hate using these terms. I'm just using really broad strokes because I'm trying to condense this. Um, but what people call an incel, you know, I feel like that's what people feel like his natural audience is. And that's what I feel like it is. Because sometimes I look through and some of the comedians he has on and um, some of the uh, some of the comedians he has on and some of the like people, I'm just like, ah, it's just too boring to me. I like I like more like 
hip-hop media. I like people that are just cooler. Like I said, that out-in-the-woods, like, you know, cooking meat guy isn't... That's not what I always want to listen to. But sometimes I do for certain things. So, uh, but the issue with Joe Rogan is, the main thing is that he's gotten so big. If he was, like, didn't have millions of listeners, it wouldn't be an issue. But the issue is, he gets way more listens than these mainstream any of these mainstream media podcasts anybody that has a podcast on cnn or msnbc or new york times joe rogan is triple and quadrupling their listens and interactions and all of that so that's the main issue is that his core fan base is the uh people feel like it's just like weird like january 6th trump supporter and that um and that it's bigger than the mainstream media, so that worries people. But for me, I feel like, again, I'm on the side of we need free speech. When you try to suppress free speech, it's only going to get bigger and crazier. And, like, the, you, you see that with, like, Trump. Like, if, if just don't ignore the, ignore it. You got to ignore it, and it goes away because now you make it bigger. By doing this, you make it bigger. You know, you beat misinformation with facts you beat misinformation with love you don't do it with hey listen to me you do it with love and understanding and compassion this is how we win guys we do it with love and understanding and compassion when you do it with hey you're wrong listen to me you're wrong that doesn't work that pushes them further that way you're not helping you need some honey boo you need some honey Give them honey to bring them in. So uh, I think that he does have people from both sides a lot of times. He has a lot of people from both sides on. Um, I feel like who Joe Rogan has on, who this is who Joe Rogan needs to have on. And for all of you guys that say, you know, Joe Rogan is balanced and all of that, he does have a lot of guests that lean closer to the right. Now, granted, he had a bunch of Democratic political candidates on and gave them a fair shot and put a lot of people on to Democratic political candidates, progressive political candidates, uh, socialist political candidates. More than the, the platform he was giving them is bigger than any type of feature you can get in any magazine, uh, Instagram page, anything like that. He did that for some major uh, candidates, for some major environmental scientists, so for people that are like climate change crazy. He brought some people, some serious climate heavy hitters have been on there. Uh, so there, there's that. My thing is, though, he it does seem like on the political side, it feels like it leans more right. That's okay. People are allowed to have their views and opinions and be conservative, be liberal, be far right, be far left. That's okay. I personally don't have a problem with it because I'm going to do me and we're going to be loud. We're going to be uh, rambunctious. We're going to be uh, flamboyant. We're going to be stylish. We're going to be uh, confident and all of that. So I want you to be confident on your side because we're going to be confident on ours and we're going to make it look good, too. And we're going to have a lot of people interested in, in it, too. That you, you Listen, you, you just do a good job at what you do. You don't try to stop people from talking. You just be really good at what you do. Um, I feel like 
at this point, though, he needs to have on Dr. Umar Johnson. If Joe Rogan, now you want to talk about, I will never call him far right, anything like nobody can say anything once he has on Dr. Umar Johnson. Umar Johnson is way more viral than a bunch of people he had on the show. Way more solidified in his field than a bunch of people he had on the show. He's also a doctor, a uh, licensed school psychologist. And this person's views and opinions on race and on America and on capitalism is cutting through in a way that no one else's is. <laughs> that no one else's is. I would love to see that toe-to-toe. That would be the ver. I would pay money to see Dr. Umar Johnson go toe-to-toe with Joe Rogan and whoever is like their uh, buddy of Rogan and to talk about racism, talk about police, because, uh, but talk about police brutality and all these things, because this guy's voice talking to that audience, it would be like the world would stop for like a millisecond. Um, so I would love to see that. That would be hilarious. And if you know, if you're familiar with both, that would be insane. And again, the thing is about these people, it's not about their, I would love to see the comment section on that. That would have to go on YouTube because it'd be too good. Um, the thing about these things, right? It's not about these people. It's about their fan bases. It's about their fan bases because the fan base is the thing that carries that message and that carries what they think into the world and amplifies it and and uh, where it permeates through people in their media are looking for echo chambers they want to hear what they already think and we have an internet that allows you to do that when i watch a tv show right when i watch a tv show uh, I and I like feel like a character is like makes bad decisions. I'll go I'll go on Google and I'll be like, does Jin from Black Lightning like Jin from Black Lightning bad decisions? I want to see other people who have my same opinion on that show. Then that's what happens in media as well. And so misinformation. People are like thinking that because one person has a view that. That's what changes people's mind. No, the core of it is that there's a lack of trust between the people and the government. There's a lack of trust between the people and the health community. That's the issue. You know, it was said that it was misinformation. They said that it was misinformation uh, when... If you came out and said, hey, don't quarantine because with this whole two weeks to stop the spread thing is fake, um, better be like, no, it's not. Turn around, we were quarantined for months. Um, if you said that about cloth masks, hey, cloth masks don't work. Don't wear a cloth mask. It doesn't work. They would have said that that was misinformation. That was misinformation at one point. Um, if you said COVID-19 may have come from a lab, that was misinformation at one point. Now that's being reported on the New York Times, Newsweek, CNN, MSNBC. They're saying COVID-19 may have came from a lab. That's, that's major news now. So 
the point that I'm saying is yesterday's misinformation is today's actual headline. And even now, what's happening is the uh, top independent news outlets like these YouTube channels and like Rogan and stuff like that come up with the narrative of what of what's happening. And then they come up with a narrative. And then the mainstream media outlets tailor it in a way that works for them. And then they put it out too. They'll just flip it on its head. But like, so that it's like the idea of like, when you watch a movie or something and they're like, there's a secret about the government that they try to get out and they get it to a journalist and then the journalist puts it out. But the way the story comes out, it doesn't hit the same because it focuses on something like else besides the meat of it. So no one cares. And it's like hidden right there. That's how, that's how they unleash this stuff. paper yeah so we're at the end of my notes the last thing i was going to say was this um you know they talk too about covid and and there's so much performative stuff around covid right they said that um (laughs) this is crazy to me they talked about it when trump was in office they said the china virus Right. They would be like, oh, the China virus. And that's what he would call it, the China virus. And and, um, because, you know, he was talking about that's where it started from. And there was an uproar about it. And it was because it wasn't because it was they said China virus as much as it was because it came from Trump and his audience, because Trump's audience was taking that and running with it in a way that they were being uh, hateful to Asian Americans, hateful to Asian people in general. And then people were blaming, you know, a virus on people that had nothing to do with it. Like you can't blame a bunch of people from a area for a virus when we're humans and we, that this, these are just things that happen. Um, And, you know, just blaming people is just not the way to solve anything. It doesn't solve it. Um, but it was interesting because there was such a big outroar against them using that and the xenophobia around using like China virus. But when it was the Ebola virus, they had no problem calling it the Ebola virus. In fact, they still call it Ebola virus, right? But there's that's a place in Africa. That's a place in Africa. We don't call it the Wuhan virus anymore, but Ebola, that's a place in Africa. The West Nile virus. When it's the West Nile virus, the West Nile is a place in Africa with black people. There is no outcry to not use the West Nile virus. You don't hear the same people that were even against them saying China virus and Wuhan virus saying, hey, stop using West Nile virus too. That's racist. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't label a a land and a a certain people with a virus because that's going to create xenophobia and hate around these people. But they did that with the West Nile virus. The Zika virus. 
they did that with Zika viruses. I mean, any virus that comes out of like Africa or that they say comes out of Africa, they're going to find the tribe, the name, the location and tell you the Africa virus just to let you know to hate black people and hate African people. And again, there was no one to come out and uh, say, hey, we shouldn't have do this. Hey, the government doesn't come out and apologize. Hey, you know, the same way how we were upset at them saying China virus or Wuhan virus. We also want to say that about the Ebola and West Nile and Zika viruses that we continue to talk about, even in our debriefings now about COVID. Because there's not, there's no actual love for black people and our feelings and the hate and the xenophobia around that that's been embedded for years. And these are viruses for years. And I'm not even getting into the viruses that they try to push like they come from there. I mean, it's wild. It's wild. And then these countries, these European countries, these Asian countries, and America and the Americas use these viruses as a way to keep African people from gaining citizenship in countries, being able to travel there, uh, and just access basic, like, human like access like basic things you should have as a human uh, in a country. So I encourage you all to call out this stuff when you see it, you know? Um, and that's what this podcast is about. It's facts over feelings. We're talking facts. Um, we're talking facts over feelings and we're expounding on uh, our knowledge. Like we're actually taking it there. We're actually taking it there. This, this right here is like, yo, all right, we're leveling the the up the collective consciousness of everything. And that's why I have this podcast, the Paperboy Prince podcast. So if you tuned in late on Instagram, you can find this whole podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get podcasts under the Paperboy Prince podcast. And we're popping out episodes. And this is this is one of our ones that's about facts over feelings, where we're getting into the political stuff. We're getting into the misinformation. We're getting into the... Uh, conspiracy theory talk that you want to say, but all it is is real talk. I, I don't even like to call it conspiracy theory talk because it's real talk. It's the real that should be talked more. So, um, and that's what I'm going to use this platform more because a lot of times I do this stuff and I do it on interviews on other people's podcasts and I do it on TV shows and they cut up what I talk about or they, um, you know, uh, y'all just don't hear it or I don't really want to promote I, I don't promote the podcast or anything so you never um, you never actually get to hear it so that's why I'm doing this now so you get a chance to hear it and you know we build on that knowledge um, yes yeah, so again so the main points I was saying you guys heard them but we want to have free speech we want people to talk because again even a, a broken clock is right twice a day. But a broken clock, it's going to be obvious that it's wrong when it's wrong. So let's allow that to happen. And we need a digital bill of rights. We need the tech companies to back up off our free speech. But we also need to empower more uh Unique voices, you know, a lot of times it's the same people that they give the mic to speak. A lot of times the same people that they give uh, an opportunity to like come in front 
of people. They give the same people the opportunity. And it's like, for, for example, for me, as a black person, I have an issue that they rarely get educated black people to speak on issues. They rarely get educated black people to represent us. They do that for so few other races, but for black people, they make sure they get, uh, like, uh, you fresh out of jail? Perfect. Get them on CNN tonight. <laughs> what? And that's nothing against somebody that's incarcerated. But there's also other folks that are doing research on the same thing, and they won't get those folks. They'll be like, oh, you've been, you're a rapper? All right, perfect. Let's get them up there. And listen, I'm a rapper. But, you know, they get they purposefully get people that aren't the most astute, that aren't... Uh, that don't have the range to talk about these issues. They purposefully don't get your boy paper up here. Listen, when I ran for mayor, there's a purposeful times when I'm running for Congress right now and you saw the post where that group said, uh, yeah, you need $100,000 to come speak to our meeting. Um, so, right, I'm one of the people that they don't want to speak because when I get up there, they, we start waking people up and they're like, wait, this person makes sense. Wait, they got a crazy outfit on, but mm, it's kind of starting to make sense, you know, and it cuts through. Exactly. And that's when I realized. I realized when I first got signed on a label and I started being around more artists and more like famous people and celebrities and stuff like that. And I was like, I was and I'm not going to pat myself on the back. I was consistently one of the smartest people in the room. And I had to hold back from from trying to seem like I was trying to belittle people. They would say so much stuff that was wrong. I'd be like, that's not true. There's people that are like, y'all know that they got a lot of followers and all this stuff. I'm like, wait, that's just not true. That's wrong. But they were there. They're in the position that they're in because they're easy to control, because their lack of education. You see what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, we got to get more people in position that have unique voices. And that's part of what I'm trying to do while, while we're platforming. We're having this show on February 4th. Um, and that, you know, I try to make platforms. We're going to have artists there. So I'm going to be using my platform as an artist to give other artists a chance to perform, turn up. It's going to be dope. And, um, and yeah, more voices. So, anyway... <laughs> paper yeah it's our time all right i'm gonna make I'm, I'm i was supposed to make another post like a freestyle um tonight so let's see if i can do that and post it because I, I wanted to you know give y'all i, I want to start spitting more bars on the on the gram and stuff like that so i'm gonna be doing that um new music coming soon too Check it out. You can check my music out everywhere. Uh, Paperboy Prince, Paperboy Prince of the Suburbs. I'm, I'm thinking about changing the name for the for some of the music stuff. I'm not sure yet, but anyway, a lot of dope stuff coming. I'm excited. Um, this podcast went longer than I thought, but you can see I have a lot of stuff to say about this. So we're gonna be doing a bunch more, dropping them off often, often, often. Uh, let me know what you think. DM me, holler at me. If you want to join our campaign for Congress, you want to join our campaign for governor, if you want to help us change this uh, city, this state, this country, and this world, help us out uh, at uh, paperboytheprince at gmail.com. I know sometimes it takes me a little while to get back, but I'll get back to you. 
You can DM me as well. Uh, meet me at the Love Gallery, Paperboy Prince Love Gallery, if you want to donate to that. Listen, we got a lot of dope stuff coming on, so I appreciate you all so much. 2022, it's our time. They tried to tell us, it's our time. They tried to tell us to stop. They tried to tell us to quit. They tried to tell us that we couldn't do it, that we wouldn't make it. Look at us now. Three rollies on the ring. Let's look at us now. It's our time. You got to listen and trust you. So listen, if you wanted that some motivation, we're going to have some more motivational podcasts too. I'm going to be doing some prayer podcast. I'm doing whatever I can to make you the best you and make me the best me. That's my plan. And make this world the best world it can be. So, uh, all right. It's there. <laughs> We're hitting the hour mark on my podcast, so I'm going to stop it there. <laughs> Paper, yeah. Thank y'all so much. I love you. 2022. Paper boy. 2022. I love y'all so much. All right. Peace. Thank you, Paper boy.